This is the Tom Bigby Tales. My name is Shannon Evans, and I am the host of this podcast. This podcast is about Columbus and Lowndes County, Mississippi, a small community located in northeast Mississippi along the Tom Bigby River. Today's episode is titled Liberty Hall, built in 1832. Liberty Hall is also known as the William E. Irvin House and is located three miles southeast of Columbus near Armstrong Road. The house was originally adjacent to the Armstrong Road facing north, but in 1922, due to storm damage and encroachment of a gravel pit, the house was moved one quarter mile east to its present location adjacent to the Irvin Family Cemetery and facing west, allegedly pulled there across logs by mules. The original house is a five-bay, two-story central hall plan structure that is one room deep with flanking rooms at each floor. It's constructed of wood frame with a clapboard siding. The entrance portico has a pedimented gable with paired square Doric columns. A balcony with railing and square spindles extends from the second floor hall front doorway. The first floor porch railing is of similar design. All exterior moldings are simple Greek revival designs. The windows have eight over eight double hung sash with shutters. The four panel front entrance door has flanking three pane sidelines over fixed wood panels and a seven pane transom. The upper floor balcony door is identical except for the omission of the transom. An addition was put on the rear of the house shortly after the original constructed construction and provided a cross hall at the rear of the front rooms and where two additional bedrooms were added at each floor. A second addition provided a side hall at the left of the first addition and a room that is currently used as a dining room, as well as a pantry and porch to the extreme rear. The north entrance has a four-panel door with three-pane side lights over wood panels and a six-pane transom. The panes are of alternating blue and red glass. The east entrance is similar, except that the transom is broken into a three-pane panel above the door and single-pane panels above the side lights. All panes are clear glass in that section. The interior of the house has simple Greek revival, uh, what it's something called cork ovolo moldings for door panels and for door and window casings. The doors are four panel designs. Walls in the original front section of the house are plastered. Elsewhere, the walls are horizontal wood boards, except that the wall between the side hall and dining room consists of five doors, one of which is operable. Floors throughout the house are tongue and groove pine and the mantles are Greek Revival with pilasters and simple moldings. The stairways are located in the front entrance hall and in the rear cross hall. Both have simple round handrails, rectangular spindles, and unusual music cleft shaped bottom newel post. The dining room and hall have 42 wooden panels mounted on the walls above the door at head height. The 27 panels in the dining room are painted with French coastal landscape scenes attributed to an anonymous South Carolina artist and executed prior, executed meaning done prior to the Civil War. Of the 15 panels in the hall, three were painted before the artist was forced to return to his home due to family illness. One other panel has been recently painted in the 
20th century. The William E. Irvin House derives its significance from its architectural character being an excellent example of vernacular Greek revival architecture. The house represents a form and style characteristic of numerous houses of the early to mid-19th century in the southeastern United States, many of which have been lost. It also derives significance in the area of art from the painted landscape panels located in the dining room, which are attributed to the South Carolina painter during the 1850s. American architecture adopted the Greek Revival style in the early 1800s and by the time of the settlement of Northeast Mississippi in the 1820s and 1830s. Greek Revival was the style that was most often used in that era. The central hallway plan, the Eye House, which had been popular as a federal style home in the Carolinas, was often modified to the new style by incorporating a gabled single bay portico usually on the front of the house. This house form can also be seen in large numbers in the state of Tennessee due to the influx of settlers that came from the Carolinas to that state. The Irvin House is very similar to Boxmare and the Lipscomb Place in Maury County, Tennessee, and the Howery Wright Purser House in Oxford, Mississippi. The first recorded transaction involving the site of the Irvin House was May 16, 1827, when Silas McBee sold the property for $1 and other consideration to his son, Vargery. Silas McBee was born in Spartan, Spartanburg District, South Carolina in 1765, but moved with his parents to Sumner County, Tennessee in 1787 and subsequently to Kentucky in 1799. Silas moved to Columbus in 1818. He is credited with naming the town of Columbus and in surveying the original 211 lots in the town site and found on the Keeler map. He owned a farm north of the Irvin House site on Magbee Creek, also sometimes labeled as McBee Creek. The Irvin House property was sold by Vardry McBee to William E. Irvin in 1836. Uh, <clears throat> Vardry McBee had contracted consumption and traveled to Cuba for his help, for his help, leaving behind Columbus and dying on the return trip in February of 1837. William Ethelbert Irvin came to Lowndes County as a young man with his parents and several younger brothers and sisters from Sumter, South Carolina in 1831. He married Sarah Kennedy in October of 1833. Family tradition holds that William E. Irvin built Liberty Hall for his bride in 1832. However, it seems likely that he lived with his father on his farm several miles to the northwest on the west side of the Tom Bigby River until he purchased the land in 1836. The house may have been built by McBee between 1827 or 18, and 1836, or by Irvin shortly after his purchase in 1836. The Irvin Journal of 1839 to 1845, found in the, in the Columbus Lowndes County Library, does not record any additions to the house, although it does refer to the construction of several other structures and homes. It would seem from the lack of mention of construction on the main house that the first edition of the house was completed prior to commencement of that journal in 1839. 
The Irvin account book of 1846 to 1856 lists work on a study room in February of 1849. And this probably is the dining room and pantry edition. The paintings in the dining room are executed in oil on wood panels and show French coastal landscapes. They are outstanding examples of 19th century primitive decorative art. Other examples of this technique may be found in the, the Marmion Room of the Metropolitan Museum in New York City, the Catawba Dining Room in the Museum of Early Southern Decorative Arts in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and the Winterthur Museum in Delaware. The paintings are in the form of a series of panoramic views and resemble the technique of several landscape paintings of the period. The artist probably used illustrations of European art or wallpaper as his model. One painting shows Mont Saint-Michel without its spire, a condition that existed from 1769 until its restoration in 1900. The paintings are particularly significant in that the use of painted mural panels is unique to this area, especially in the state of Mississippi. The artist may have been one of the number of artist craftsmen, foreign-born or American, who plied their trade throughout the newer regions of the United States at this time, and whose presence, however transitory, contributed to some awareness of the arts among the populace. The Irvin House property has been in the possession of the family of William E. Irvin since his purchase of the property in 1836. The property was then conveyed to Frank Irvin in 1878, then to J.T. Armstrong in 1901, to his, I believe his wife, Sarah Armstrong in 1950-15, to their daughter, Miss Caro Armstrong, and Miss Penelope Armstrong O'Hare, and to Mrs. Sarah Livingston Fowler. The present owners have lived in the house since 1970. Now, I'm not sure who owns the house at this moment, but I think it's their descendants. They made an addition of a carport and pantry at the rear of the house and enclosed a rear porch in the, set, in the 70s or early 80s and enclosed a screen porch at the right rear on each floor to form two sitting rooms and a bathroom. Other buildings on the property consist of a pool house and storage building located on the grounds at the rear of the house and a barn located in a wooded area nearby, but not visible from the house. A stable is located outside the boundary gazebo, and a gazebo is located south of the house. The Irvin Family Cemetery is located a short distance northwest of the house in a fenced enclosure. It contains the graves of William Irvin, William E. Irvin, and numerous other family members. It also contains one of the few uh, graves found within a family cemetery that includes a beloved member of their enslaved population who is simply listed as their mammy. The cemetery has been identified as a contributing element of its historical association with the house and the grounds, as well as an important part of understanding African-American history and its intertwined portions of enslavement with white families in the era. To see some of the beautiful antebellum homes in Columbus, very similar to Liberty Hall, 
please like and follow the Historic Home Tours of Columbus, Mississippi's Facebook page. And then please follow, like, and subscribe to this podcast, The Tom Bigby Tales.